What is up and welcome in. It is Talking Flock, a Flamingo podcast where we discuss everything going on with your forward Madison FC. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me as always, Mr. Rob Chappell. Rob, how are we doing? All right. We're, we're sick of draws, but we're doing all right otherwise. Yeah, you know, the draw the draw bug is back. The uh, it's, it's back out of the, the boogeyman's back out from under the bed. Yep. Draws galore. Everybody gets a draw. Um, but... I mean, it's come after after a run of wins, so I feel like this is one of those things where it's not like last year where there were only draws. There are, there have been wins, yes. so you're still getting results. Some of those yep. results are wins. None of the results in the last couple of weeks have been wins, but <laughs> right. um, I think you'll take. I think you'll take uh, take the uh, the road point. Uh, regardless Definitely take the road point. point. It does. It does take. You know, you want to win at home, draw on the road, and the, the it getting the draw on the road makes those two home draws the past couple of weeks feel particularly gross, but mm-hmm. still you're unbeaten in five. You only lost once in the past 11, you know, that's not a bad stretch really. No, no, all things considered. Uh, but obviously for Madison fans have the, uh, have the, uh, the, the heebie-jeebies from last year from all those draws. But <laughs> right. uh, in any case, uh, this is episode 46 of the podcast. Before we get to breaking down the nil-nil draw, we ask you uh, kindly if you would subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and also leave us a rating and review. If you haven't done that as well, you can also follow us on Twitter at Talking Flock. And a little bit later on, welcoming in the COO himself. And he has, I just realized that uh, he's the COO of the team. And he has a lot of C's and a lot of O's in his name. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a fun little fact as I look at the uh, as I look at the notes here. Connor Kaloya joins the show in just a little bit, uh, so stick around for that. But of course, it is our duty as the hosts of this podcast to try to make some entertainment, uh, entertainment rather, <laughs> out of the nil-nil draw in Charlotte. Oh. So we'll do our best to do so. Yes, we will. Uh, so let's get into this. So. We start out with uh, Strang and Mbakishan, both in the starting 11. Yeah. Now, what what they do here, and this is what a lot of teams do this when they when they tweet out the starting lineup. They will first tweet out just the names. Hey, these are the right. starting 11. Place them where you think they may fit best in your own brain before we actually give you what the formation <laughs> is going to be. Right. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. That can be fun. Foot Mob has some fun with that sometimes. And then uh, and so you you get to wondering about the formation, where these guys are going to play, where Mbaki Shyam is going to play. Um, is it going to be a 3-5-2? Is it going to be a false nine situation? Like, what's, what's it going to be in that, you know, 20 minutes or whatever between when we see the list of the 11 and then actually see where they're going to be placed on the field. Uh, right. But it turns out Mbaki Shyam's just uh, filling in for Mateus Cassini, uh, who is on baby watch currently. Yes. Um, I guess I guess it's technically paternity leave, uh, but yeah. it, it, uh, he is not a – as of as of time of recording – he is not he's not a father as of yet. At least no, no announcement and, made. Right? And he is uh, he is not in North Carolina with the team this week, so he will not be in the starting eleven tonight, Wednesday night, as you listen to this. Um, as well as the 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 due date was Friday, but it has not come yet. So, um, okay. All our best wishes to the Cassini family. And that can that can be rough when you're when you're past the due date like that. Oh man, going yeah. on walks and you're going to the <laughs> hospital every couple of days just to be told that. Nope, sorry. Go yep. go walk around the mall a few more times. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, all the best again. Yes, uh, echoing your sentiment there, Rob. All the best to to Mateus and his family there. Um, 
The other big piece that was missing, though, in the lineup was Nazim Bartman. He was out injured. So uh, a little bit of firepower missing there with Cassini and Bartman. But you do try to make up for that with both Strang and Mbakajam in the starting 11. And this is one of those nil-nil draws, Rob, that had no business being a nil-nil draw. Right. Um, All you had to do was look at the highlights for this one. Um, Wide open from the outset um, with Strang almost scoring on a side bike in the first three minutes. Uh, add him to the MLS All-Star Skills Challenge. Or oh, uh, the USL League One should do a skills challenge. Uh, because, holy cow, this was almost a banger in the first three minutes. Would have been goal of the week. If yeah, easily. Able to keep it down. Easily, easily. Yeah. Um, and then on the other end, Ryko Rosarena making four saves in the first 23 minutes, including a one-on-one versus Trevor Mbuyu. Um, just, just some really good stuff. We, we talk about the decisiveness we saw in this first three minutes, we kind of saw Ryko's entire skill set. talking yeah. about like a skills challenge or a showcase, so to speak. Uh, that was it for Ryko. He, you know, he stayed in, he stayed on his line when he had to, he decisively came out, um, and cut off the angle when he needed to. Um, he showed really good lateral movement covering post to post, uh, diving in both directions to make saves. Um, mm-hmm. just a really good, you know, He's had a couple of clean sheets early on, but mostly those were games where he wasn't tested very much. Maybe once right, or twice. Exactly, yeah. uh, he was very much tested in this one. Very, much, very tested. much tested. Especially yep. early on. Yep, and and Tristan Mbuyu is a very very dangerous striker. He um, he was. They were really testing uh, the right hand side of of uh, our back line. Uh, Alvin Jones and, and Mitch Osmond stood strong and. Uh, but you're not going to contain Tristan Buyu for 90 minutes. And when he did get through, uh, Raiko was there uh, to shut him down. Like you said, he was decisive. The other thing uh, uh, that you saw with Raiko is um, last week, the one goal he's conceded in a Madison uniform is one that he uh, he came out to grab a cross and didn't quite get it. And that and that experience of, of missing that one did not seem to have hindered him at all in this match. He was, he was high-pointing crosses uh, like – like you don't see in this league very often uh, and, and was not intimidated at all and not chastened. He wasn't like, okay, I'm, I missed that one. So I'm going to stay back on my line. And he was brave and decisive uh, and snatching those crosses out of the air as well. Uh, really, really good to see. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, that decisiveness is continuing to show from Ryko and, and making yeah. those right decisions too, for the most part um, possession, you know, we got back to that energetic, purposeful forward moving possession yes. that we're used to saying from forward Madison, there was intentionality to it. There was, um, there was an understanding of, of they knew exactly what they wanted to do when they had possession of the ball. There was mm-hmm. a, there was a motive there. There was a, you know, there was, there was a, an end goal in sight. You could see that they were trying to um, accomplish and, and, and reach towards um, lots of forays forward, no pun intended. Um, but this is just one of those cases. And sometimes this happens this stuff, that final pass isn't there. They get yep. all the way up to a prime goal scoring situation and that final ball is just missing, whether it's off the mark, it's too late, they, they don't take their chance, you know, whatever it is. We kind of saw all the above in this one for Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, you, you'll, you'll take that if it's once in a blue moon. Um, we saw this pretty yeah. consistently last season and that's where fr- frustration lied. Uh, but in, in this one, this is, you know, they – They've been finishing enough chances over the course of the season, putting up enough goals that you can sort of just chalk this one up to just just not having that final ball on the day. 
right? Is, was that sort of right. your perspective, Rob? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think there, there were, and you could, the thing is you could see the ideas, right? You could see what they're trying to accomplish. They And they knew what they were trying to accomplish. And, and sometimes the, the balls just don't quite, I mean, it's, it's a game of, of inches or centimeters, depending mm-hmm. where you are. But there was one ball where Bakijan was in behind. He was in, he was going to score. And the ball, if the ball was six inches further in front of him, he would have turned it and scored with his left foot. But it, because it was a little bit too close to his feet, he ended up, kind of having to his momentum carried him away from the goal and he just he's missed that opportunity um Roger Smith ha- had one that he was going to be one-on-one with the keeper and he leaned like his shoulders leaned offside like he was just yeah. that close so like they were very close they were very um uh they, they were very, they were decisive and they knew what they were trying to do and they, they weren't like losing chances or not taking chances it just it just that final pass wasn't there and it's not even like the shots weren't there like they had they did have end up with eight shots only two on target but that there was a lot more chances than eight right so it was, oh, it was sure. good to see uh and and you know like you were saying trying to extract entertainment out of a zero zero draw the game was actually entertaining to watch like it was wide open it was it wasn't a box to box defensive struggle both both of these teams play a style that is uh possession oriented right they're both trying to possess the ball and they both did uh charlotte ended up with the bulk of the possession about 60 percent but both teams had long stretches of possession that were really fun to watch and that were you know like madison would have the ball for a minute a minute and a half and try you know and, and be pushing forward not lateral as much um and then, you know, t- and they either lose possession or take a shot or whatever. And then Charlotte would have it for a minute, minute and a half. And we'd be defending. Uh, it was, but it wasn't in the middle of the field. It was, uh, it's, uh, it was on both ends, which was really actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was an entertaining match, as we mentioned for being a nil nil draw. There was a lot of, not only a lot of ener- energetic play and a lot of forward movement, but a lot of quality on both sides too. Uh, especially the way they were building up their attacks. Um, you mentioned just, just a similar style. Now, Charlotte, you know, puts up more goals on occasion uh, than Ford Madison does. And maybe um, they're willing to, you know, concede to give a little bit more than Madison is. But, yeah, you definitely saw a little bit of a stalemate there uh, over the weekend between uh, between mm-hmm. these two these two clubs. Um, they needed Ryko again late. Charlotte was really pushing for that winner in the eighth minute of stoppage time. 90 plus nine of a uh, given six minutes of stoppage time, of course. <laughs> right, of course. Um, just as the blistering shot looked like it was going in the lower corner. Ryko just reaches out, just gets that fingertip to it to deflect it off the post. Of course, this means if he doesn't get to this one, it's going in the back of the net. Because yep, it was his deflection that put that one off the post. And um, how this is not nominated for save of the week, I have no idea. I think the, the US League one needs a write in. For save of the week, yeah. this certainly should have been. Should leave that fourth spot in the poll for other, <laughs> and then <laughs> right. comments on which one you want. If if you get enough comments, should uh should be the save of the week. But yeah, this yeah. is an incredible save to uh to save the draw for Ford yeah. Madison. So now, as we mentioned, you're unbeaten in five matches. You only have one loss in your last eleven. Um, lowest goals against total in the league. I did not realize that until I saw it here in yeah. the conceded. See the 24 goals on the season. That's the best in the league. That's uh, really, you know, we didn't, we would, we didn't know what we would get from this, this defense. And there, there are times where they look susceptible, but when push comes to shove and it comes time to make sure you keep the ball out of your own net, 
Yeah. Or Madison is one hundred percent. Consider consider one fourth of those goals were in one game. Yeah, like had one bad night, and the rest of the time you've only conceded you know eighteen goals or whatever in the other matches. So that's pretty good. And if you want to keep looking at the stats here, Rob, I, I updated it every week. Another clean sheet for Ryko Rosarena. Yep. Uh, just four matches into his Ford Madison career, he's already tied for seventh in the league in clean sheets. So uh, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic uh, stuff there from Ryko. Unbeaten um, in League One. Yep. Yep. Awesome. In, in League One. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you can definitely credit Ryko in the back line for this one. Just 40% of the possession for Madison, eight shots, two on target. 16 shots and six on target for Charlotte. So obviously Charlotte was, was more on the front foot, had the better run of play was better in the stat sheet, but at the end of the day, it is a nil nil draw. And I think you feel like it's a point gained, a point earned for Ford Madison uh, coming out of that one. Um, Also of note, it was Charlotte's United for Ukraine night. Um, Ilya Shevstov um, is the only Ukrainian actively playing in the U S he joined Charlotte after his club was stranded in Cyprus following the Russian invasion of Ukraine scored his first goal against Madison in that game. Um, we don't talk about uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah. <laughs> Six two. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, despite that uh, Mitch Osmond gifted him a United for Ukraine Jersey after the match. So yeah. um, really cool um, moment there on, on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, was, um, obviously it was the, the, the yellow and blue Matt, uh, Jersey that Madison wore yeah. in his first home game this year. Um, that was yeah. a nice moment. Yep, just kind of, again, puts to the forefront there are things going on that are bigger than soccer. But yep. uh, obviously, uh, there are people sort of close to home, so to speak, who are who are affected by all those things as well. Yep. Um, so up next for the Mingos, um, you're at North Carolina on Wednesday. Um, it's the team's first matchup of the season. And then uh, Saturday, you're home to Chattanooga. Then away at NOCO, Saturday the 20th. And then home to North Carolina on Wednesday the 24th. And then you wrap up. August uh, away at Omaha on the 31st. Um, this is a huge month as we've, we've iterated multiple times on this podcast. Um, really uh, you need to win at home and at least one of the road games to keep pace. I think so. I think so. You're currently seventh in the standings. You do have two yep. games in hand. They could jump to third with a win tonight as yep. you're listening on Wednesday um and 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 of course uh, you know we'll go around the league here in a second but here's omaha fifth with three games in hand <laughs> so uh you you told you t- you've been saying rob that chicken's been coming home to roost uh in a good way for good omaha job. with uh with those games in hand and they're finally getting the results they need to sort of put themselves in an advantageous position in the table um yeah and, and when they make up those games they'll they'll be right there at or near the top so no question um this this USL League One race continues to be tight. Um, almost every team, with uh, you know, with the exception of Tormenta, uh, or not not Tormenta, um, Tucson, excuse me, um, yeah. with uh, with the opportunity to make the playoffs still. So um, yeah, a lot to play for moving forward, and a, obviously a big one against Carolina on Wednesday, um, as far as the standings go, and a and a big opportunity to get some more points on the road. And we, we should we should also mention that at the end of the month. You have a week off between those two Wednesday games at the very end of the month, but then you go September third. Uh, you have a quick turnaround. You're going. For, you go away to Omaha on the thirty first, and then you're away to Greenville on Saturday. That's third of September. So it it doesn't let up after at the month of August. It's a big run of games coming up for sure for the Mingos. All right, Rob, let's go around the league. Uh, yeah, Tuesday of last week, uh, who else but Emiliano Trezaghi? 
The 40-yard goal catching Ken Yaranda off his line in northern Colorado, similar to what Andrew wheeler Amanu did a few weeks earlier in the same park against the same keeper. Uh, But that was enough for Richmond to get the win over northern Colorado. Uh, Then Wednesday, uh, Chattanooga uh, wins at Central Valley Fuego 1-0. Fuego went down a man to a second yellow card in the first half stoppage time. Then Andres Hernandez scored it for Chattanooga. But Central Valley, oh, man, I was watching this, and it was just so ridiculous that um, they Central Valley had a chance to equalize a handball in the box in stoppage oh time. Christian Cheney steps up to take a penalty. I don't know why he takes like an eight-yard run up to it. I don't know why you do that, but he just shanked it to the right. And it was <laughs> – and I thought Torres Andres had saved it, but he didn't. He just missed mm-hmm. it. I don't know how you do that. But anyway, the result is Chattanooga gets a 1-0 win. Uh, over Central Valley there. So uh, then Saturday, big one, Richmond 3-1 over Tucson. Uh, wow. Giovanni Calixtro for Tucson gets just a, scores an absolute banger for Tucson. But after that, it was all kickers. It was Ethan Vanekordecker equalizing just before halftime and our good friend Emiliano Trisaghi. <laughs> Second half race. to Now he's got, he's back. He's up. He was kind of quiet for a few weeks, but he's up to 10 goals all of a yep. sudden. And right back in the golden boot race. Uh, the big results of the night, I think, Chattanooga 5, Greenville 1. Yes. Um, wow. and, and Greenville didn't actually score in this one. Red Wolves got all six goals. They got <laughs> two, two for themselves in the first seven minutes and then an own goal shortly thereafter and then poured it on with three more in the second half. Uh, Rafa Mensingen with a brace in over the course of four minutes toward the end of that one. Now, this, this match, this result, combined with Richmond getting two wins this week, not Greenville off the top of the table for the first yep. time in a while. So Richmond now on top of the table. Uh, also, elsewhere in uh, in North Northern Colorado, it's two nil for the Hailstorm over Tormenta. They bounce back uh, from that loss with second half goals from Arthur Rogers and Breck Evans. And then uh, Omaha, uh, JP Skears gets one for Omaha against Central Valley to uh, to win that one. To as you mentioned, keep Omaha right in the thick of things. They're they're still having trouble scoring goals, but they're they're a team that I don't I don't want to play come playoff time. But if you but, don't concede, you don't need many, you know. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's that's honestly the style of play in those in those one game playoff scenarios. I mean, defend, yeah. defend, defend, counter, right? Yep. I mean, that's Absolutely. that's that's a team that could be very very dangerous uh, come playoff time. And as we mentioned, they're they're fifth with three games in hand on a couple of those teams at the top right now and, in the they're, and they're adding talent to the you know yeah. just in the past couple of weeks they've got Luis Gill and um and Corey Herzog and those guys are getting integrated and and they're going to be dangerous come the end of the season no doubt about it yeah watch out for the owls for sure as much as I hate to say that much as it just makes my <laughs> stomach very upset the na- yes. it's nausea inducing but uh but watch out for the owls um all right around Wisconsin unfortunate news is the Wisconsin Challenge Cup was canceled um, I think just trying to, uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but trying to plan too close um, to the actual date in which they were trying to put it together. Yeah. Travel issues, personnel issues. I mean, you get that all the time with lower league soccer, especially oh, when yeah. you try to plan a tournament that, that, that teams necessarily can't prepare for players can't make arrangements for, they think their season's over and they're going off you know, to do whatever, maybe they're trying to get a last summer vacation in or, <laughs> or maybe they have a job or maybe they have to go on campus early if they're in college or whatever it is like this. There's a lot of other things uh, that, that players and even, even the coaches on the sideline in lower league soccer 
have to do outside of what happens on the pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday that to, to be asked to do this other cup tournament sort of with a couple weeks ahead of time, just, just logistically it, it's, it was a, it was a, a challenge, no pun intended putting yeah. this together still last minute, but they do seem like they're trying to get ahead of the game and playing things for 2023. So I'm, yep. I'm optimistic as to what this, what this tournament could be moving forward. Yep. Yeah. And, and like I say, it was just kind of put together last minute and uh, it sounds like a lot of people are really enthusiastic about taking the year and planning it right. And maybe getting more than just the two leagues involved and make it really a special tournament next, next season. There's a lot of potential with this, and I, and yep. I hope they can they can put it together the right way and uh, and come back strong in 2023. Um, speaking of coming back strong after being ousted in the regional semifinals last year, Bavarians bounced back in 2022 to win their ninth national title in the USASA National Amateur Cup. One nil the final on a Patrick Coleman goal early on in the match. A great effort from him. Um, so is their sixth win in total of the tournament. And of course, the one that matters, they get an automatic bid now, do Bavarians, in the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. So big congrats to them and um, just sort of reclaiming their place on the throne, so to speak, uh, in national amateur soccer. Yeah, it was cool that they got to do it in front of a home crowd, you know, because the venue changed and the hosting it at the end. Um, Just Mm -hmm. a, a really good tournament all around. Absolutely. All right, Rob, as we always do, we'll be back after the interview with our Fomingo shout-outs and wrapping things up with a fun fact. But until then, enjoy Rob's chat with Ford Madison COO, Connor Coloyo. We'll see you in just a bit. And joining us today, President, COO, part owner, whatever his title is, I don't know, Connor Coloyo is with us. How are you doing, Connor? Good, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good. Thanks for being here. Um, so we just want to kind of do a uh, midway through the season check-in here. You had the league meetings a couple of weeks ago. You, you told us offline that they were kind of dull, but we can talk a little bit about that. But generally speaking, as we're kind of past the halfway point of the season now, how are things going in the, from the front office perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think um, generally, I, I think good. Um, you know, I think we, we feel like uh, while we, you know, today we're in seventh place and a, a win tomorrow could, uh, could move us up to third. Um, you know, we, we would like to be a little more securely in that playoff position. Yeah. But we think we, we generally do feel good that, that we're uh, we, we feel good about the roster, great about the coaching staff, and feel like we're we're positioned well positioned for a thirty game uh, run plus some playoffs. So we, we feel like we've got the right infrastructure and the right makeup and chemistry to be successful in the end. Um, just that amazing parity that we have in League One. Right. Um, you know, you don't get as much sleep as night at night as you'd like this time of year, <laughs> right. but, uh, but, but we are feeling good about our chances down the stretch. Um, no, there are still some teams making some moves at this point in the season. And, and you guys made a couple of, you know, in sort of early to mid August last year, anything in the works that we should be watching for? Yeah. I wouldn't say there's anything imminent. Uh, I think we've, you know, we, we felt like we needed to make some moves and we've made those moves. Uh, I also yeah. think, um, you know, our, I don't want to call it inaction, but, but I think our, our lack of maybe deal-making right now um, speaks volumes in a different way. I, I think it tells you that we feel good about the roster we have. It tells right. you about, uh, you know, what we have, you know, in all parts of the game and that we don't need uh, – we don't feel internally that we need more pieces. We, we feel like we've got the pieces. We just got to have them play together and put them together and, and, and be healthy. So, you know, uh, the Ryko Rosarena – um, transaction or, or, or loan um, is, is played well for us so far. And uh, while, while, while Phil was great for us, we, we feel really good about what Ryko's done and, 
mm-hmm. kind of giving us a new look in the back there. Um, and we've got guys that have been hurt or getting healthy. Um, and we feel like we're well positioned for, for a long run. So, I, you, you know, we're not super active right now, and, and that's intentional. Um, now, early in the season, um, it was obviously the, the season started earlier than usual than it has in the past, you know, early April. And then it seemed like it rained every Saturday. Oh, like yeah. first like six weeks or something. Five, um, Rob, not that I was counting, but we had five games in April, um, and uh, and none were above uh, <laughs> I think fifty five degrees, and I think one was dry, if I, if I remember right. But but you but you still had like twenty three hundred, twenty four hundred people, which for Madison is a small crowd, but that's a, that would be a really healthy crowd in the much of the rest of this league. Um, but but maybe a naive question here: how how much? from a front office perspective, how much does the club rely on like game day attendance revenue and, and, and were you sweating it a little bit early in the season when there were numbers were down and, and how are you feeling now that things are, you know, you can set two consecutive records. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like early on, I would say we were um, not on target to, to hit our budget numbers and now we're back <laughs> on target. We've, we've had a good comeback here. We've had some good weather. Um, you, you know, good weather in the summer months and, and a couple things too. I think, you know, once school gets out, it, it takes people a little time to realize that we are here and we're playing and, yeah. and pro soccer is here in Madison. And so we really kind of reached that fever pitch um, in, in mid to late July, early August. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had two record crowds, um, you know, largest crowds, both from a, an attendance and revenue standpoint in the history of the club. Yeah. Uh, we expect to have another good, good day this Saturday, mm-hmm. um, followed up by another good uh good game uh, the following wednesday august 24th so yeah i mean i, I don't know that we were sweating it uh when we well obviously we weren't sweating in the 40 degree weather uh, <laughs> uh but but you know um but yeah it it, it it's a challenge in this climate um and it, yeah. it's a challenge uh it's great that we play you know 18 to 20 home games uh home matches over over eight months but it's it's tough in April, and, and and I do think it'll be challenging when we go head to head to head head to head against the Badgers come September as well. So sure. it's really important for us, you know, Northern clubs to get as many kind of midsummer games as we can, yeah. and really take advantage of those. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the support's been amazing. I, th- I think the 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 biggest thing with those big crowds um, for two years we've been trying to get through the pandemic and get out of the pandemic, and right. and I think the mindset, my mindset, and our staff's mindset. It shifted over the last two weeks that we're, we're out of it now. We're, we're back. We're beyond our 2019 numbers. Yeah. And now we can really look forward and build, um, you know, continue to build this thing. I, th- I think we've just been kind of in survival mode trying to get through the pandemic. Now, now we're ready to build and pour a little gas on the fire. Yeah. I, I heard the thing, the refrain you hear a lot the last month has been 2019 vibes. Like, I'm sure you're looking at the at the revenue numbers and from you know, compared to 2019, but we're, we're also, I mean, you're there in the stadium, you can feel it, right? Where 2019 was so much excitement and, and it was just, it was new and everything. And then of course the pandemic happened. And then, and then you, my worry has been that the novelty is going to wear off. Right. But you're still getting a lot of new people in. you're still getting a lot of casuals. A lot of folks are coming with their employers. They're bringing a group of people and stuff. So, I mean, that's been, it's not really a question, but it's just, it's really cool to see that the the excitement is still yeah. there. Right? No, it's back. I mean, we, yeah, no, it's it's back. We've made it through, and, and I think we can grow. I think we're really in a growth mode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think people have kind of decided how they're going to handle the pandemic and whether they're going to go out or not. And, and while that still has affected us from from a, an attendance standpoint a little bit, 
Um, I, I think we've realized there's a market for us to grow. And, and now we're absolutely in growth mode, both as we finish the season here uh, over the next few months, but also moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting to kind of feel that energy back. Um, you know, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get a win in these big crowds. Our, our guys, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say they tighten up when we, when we have record crowds, but, but you know, <laughs> we, we, we like to tie in these record crowds. I think a win with one of these record crowds would, uh, would be would, would, yeah, it would kind of, you know, um, you know, <laughs> the stadium would explode and it'd be great. But, uh, but, yeah. but nonetheless, I mean, the guys are playing hard, they're playing well and, and the, it's awesome to see the fans there to support them. Um, how's, uh, you, you, one of the other additions you had is the, is the forward club that you've, you've had. how's, how's business there? I mean, it's, it's always a nice atmosphere a couple of times I've been after a match. Yeah. It's just, it's awesome to have an indoor year round space now in the facility yeah. and, and we're still, um, I think fully programming that space, but it's great on match days for forward club members. Mm -hmm. We have nice crowds in there post game until we call bar time at 11 o'clock. So that, that, that's been really successful to have crowds in post game. We started to do watch parties for our road games, and then we're really excited to program it um, for some EPL matches, but also for the World Cup. I think we'll have some kind of mm -hmm. specific ticketed events, um, you know, for the World Cup. And while it's soccer focused, and that's why we built it, uh, we're also doing a you know a handful of non-soccer events in there as well. So it's really been a good investment for us. In addition to that investment, we also have our, our team offices at Breeze now, yeah, and uh, that's really been a positive positive thing for our front office to be right there on site that's fantastic Did, now are you gonna is four club gonna be open at like six o'clock on saturday mornings we, 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 it's coming it's coming we're, we're, yeah. we're not there yet um it's, we're we're kind of uh i, I don't want to say work-life balance but we're, we're trying to balance all the other stuff we have going <laughs> at, at breeze in, in in the middle of the season right. but also you know from a staffing standpoint balancing that it, it, you, you i think you'll see that um, this calendar year yet, uh, you, you'll okay. see us being open, uh, if not for every match, for, for significant matches, and you'll see uh, us heavily programmed during the World Cup. I, I think really a lot of our focus is is on the World Cup and making sure that we're kind of the premier destination in Madison to enjoy the World Cup. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, which is which is unusual this year in that it's in November, December, right, where where you're not playing. Yeah, no, it, it, we won't be playing and, um, you know, there won't be a lot of great outdoor places to to enjoy the, the World Cup. Right. It'll have to be indoors likely that time of year. So, um, you know, we look forward to kind of having some themed meals tied to the, the, the different teams playing in the contests and, oh, cool. and kind of hosting uh, um, uh, events throughout the World Cup. Oh, that sounds like we, we will definitely keep our listeners informed because uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, uh, we've talked, we, we asked players sometimes, but for for an executive like yourself what's match day like do you have a match day routine or are you nervous on match day are you excited i mean what's how... <laughs> you know i, I uh, yeah match days are great i mean um i wouldn't say I, I i don't normally get nervous um you know my role in kind of constructing the staff and in, in constructing the roster that was done months ago so right. I, there's not much i can do on game day to impact the game i'm not getting out there i'm you know, I'm not suiting up. So, I, I mean, as much as I, I want us to win, uh, you know, there, there's not a ton of nerves. We've got a great staff that, that preps the facility for game day. Mm -hmm. um, and really my focus is just the fan experience, right? And, and, and how do I make sure that we have a, a positive fan experience? The lines aren't too long. People are enjoying their time there. And in addition to, um, you know, visiting with kind of season ticket holders and single game customers, um, you know, we also um, – 
you know, focus a lot on our corporate partners and mm-hmm. suite holders and, and, and guests that are out. And, and quite frequently too, you know, we have, we have guests from the league or the other, the opposing team, or even just guests in the soccer world um, that, uh, you know, are, are coming out to kind of see what we do. So, um, you know, I, I come from a baseball world where you have nine innings uh, of a game and right. those nine innings normally take at least two hours. Sometimes those nine innings turn into 13 innings and take four hours. What I find with a soccer match day is it's a race. I mean, two hours really isn't that much time um, to, to kind of, you know, see all the people you, you need to see and, and really just get a good handle for what's going on in the stadium. But I, I try not to sit and, and try to just constantly move um, and, and make sure uh, customers are having a good time, make sure we're putting on a, a good fan experience. Um, we mentioned this summer, League meetings has happened. Is it not, not a lot of news coming out of those meetings? Anything? Well, I, I mean, um, I'm sure that the folks at the league office uh, wouldn't <laughs> love to hear that. It, they, they were scintillating, Rob. It was exciting. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is good twice a year. Our, our board of governors gets together, and it was nice to, to have, um, you know, our teams together as we plan for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's very few voting items uh, at this meeting, at this, at this summer meeting. Um, you know, I would expect the, the number of games and kind of the competition structure to stay fairly similar to what it's been as we look to 23. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's there's a, you know, while we're in our, what, fourth year as a league, um, while we are um, pretty established, we're still a startup, right? So sure. I, I think it, it's exciting to be adding uh, new teams. I know the, the Lexington, Lexington team's already been announced and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll see some uh, you know, an additional team or two that would potentially join. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement and, and growth around the league. So it, it's all positive conversation. Um, but really the focus, you know, while we're getting through this season, a lot of the focus is getting schedules together and, and, and starting to plan for next season already. Uh, the other team that's been announced is uh, Santa Barbara, um, which are, are you uh, – does, does travel um... – come into your mind as all well as, as you're seeing how the way is expanding and there's, you know, there's this pocket in the Southeast and then there's like us in Omaha is it in the middle. And then, you know, there's certain growing on the West coast. And yeah. um, would, would you like to see a couple, you know, maybe expansion focused on Sioux Falls and. I, I'd know, love to see some bus trips. Yeah. To answer your question, you know, Santa Barbara <laughs> will be 24. Uh, when we signed up for the league in 2018, we, we'd hoped or expected to be part of uh, the central division, which was going to be, uh, four to six teams and uh, it's us. So um, yeah, we would love to see some more Midwestern teams. I know the, the championship or, or the USL has been strong in the championship in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the Midwest markets are, are more championship markets than league one markets, but yeah, we'd love to love to see some more teams. I mean, yeah. One of the biggest burdens to having profitability in this league is travel. I mean, uh, we have yeah. a significant, you know, a, a $300,000 plus travel budget. We have one bus trip. That's Omaha, and that's a really long bus trip. Uh, if you're, you know, Chattanooga or South Georgia, you, you know, you're more centrally located to kind of the heart of the league, and there, there's a handful of bus trips, and that shaves, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or $100,000 plus off your travel bill. So there is a, a, a huge disparity in travel. Um, I think any growth is good. Uh, you, you know, the, the member teams don't decide where the expansion happens or don't vote on expansion. That, that, that right. happens from the league office. Right. Um, but uh, I think any growth is good. But, uh, you know, um, if we in an ideal world, if we could have done it all over again, it'd be very geographic, strategic growth. And that's just not the case. And, um, you know, 
it is what it is. We have to work to generate more revenue to support our travel costs and make sure that nothing on the team side suffers from that. Right. Right. Um, so I have, because, you know, soccer nerds are listening to the show. I have to ask about promotion relegation. Every time I talk to anybody, I have to ask about it. Um, Jack Edwards, the president of the league said in a recent interview that he wants it in, in some form before the 2026 World Cup, which is going to be here in the United States and Canada and Mexico. Um, do you think that's doable? First yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I guess I'll just so, so take a step back. There, yeah. there hasn't been any, I think it's good that Jake puts it out there. I think Jake's a great leader for the USL. Um, I, I think there should be a ton of time and effort put into promotion relegation. Yeah. Um, yes, the USL having two divisions should go to promotion relegation. We need to find a way to continue to um, distance and separate ourselves from the other, other, you know, from the MLS structure here in the U.S. So yeah. we're positioned. We can do that. Um, my gut or my sense is every team at League One loves the idea of promotion relegation. I think you got to ask the, the whatever it is, 27 or 32, whatever it is at the championship. I think they might feel different. I think everybody likes promotion. I don't know anybody likes relegation. So, um, yes, it's something that, that, that should be discussed. Um, I think it should be discussed quickly. Uh, I know the World Cup's in 26, but I, I'm a proponent of moving quickly on these things and experimenting a little. Or if you know you're going to do it down the road, you might as well figure it out and do it now. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think the decision probably lies with, with folks outside of, of our league would be my hunch. But, but there's been nothing substantive yet. I applaud, the, I, I applaud the league for exploring it and uh, look forward to helping any way I can to, to be a part of that conversation. Um, theoretically, would – would being say say Madison ends up in the top two or three or how, however it works out and gets promoted, does does that actually help Madison in terms of revenue in terms of more fans at this stadium? It, I, my thought is that like yes, it'd be very exciting to be playing against Phoenix and Louisville and yeah. San Diego, um, but also. Uh, but then, but then you're, you're, theoretically, you'd be winning at League One and maybe not winning so much at championship level in, that, in the first season you're up. So does that help or revenue or is that, is that, is that even part of the consideration? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a multi-layered question. I think if we put promotion relegation aside for a minute, we frequently get asked, you know, when are we going to move to the championship or why doesn't Ford Madison move to the championship? Um, you know, Madison's a great market. We've got amazing support from our fans. Um, I believe we, we generate more revenue than any other League One team. And, and we're, we're really lucky because we have such great fan support, and that's what leads to yeah. the revenue. The reality of it is a market the size of Madison would struggle to compete uh, in the championship year in and year out. Um, right. with, with the operating, I mean, some operating budgets in the championship um, are one and a half X, two X, in some cases, I think three X, what our budget is in Madison. And um, and we're still not profitable where, where we are right now. So, um, you know, it'd be great if there is promotion relegation, I think it would be, it'd be fun to, to play up and, and hopefully be competitive, but there would need to be some kind of compensation or structure or model that, that allows the league one teams to, to be viable, you know, as they move up. And I know that happens right now in other countries and, yeah. and they've built a structure there. And I think a lot of it, honestly, comes down to, to media rights, right? I, I think the idea, one of the plays for promotion relegation would hope to be get a significant media rights deal and, and, and that generates more eyeballs watching the events. And if there's a bigger media rights deal, then you can maybe build a financial structure that allows teams to go up and down 
without too much heartbreak either way, or too not, heartbreak's not the right word, but without financial distress going up or down. So um, there's models that work in other places, and and um, you know I, my guess is that the league is is kind of digging in on those things. That is so important. I think I think that's never brought up in the conversation is the media rights that sports is a TV show, right? People watch sports on TV and, and, and come out to the, and not come out to the stadium, but, but without like that, that's, I think that's one of Nisa's big problems is that you, you can't, you don't just watch it on TV. Yeah. I don't like, I don't think us playing in championship is going to sell us more tickets or be able to charge more for a, an advertisement or sponsorship. I think if we're in a, a world where there is promotion relegation, hopefully there's more people watching and more people coming out to every game. I think, right. you know, this is kind of a, a conversation we had with the, the staff today a little bit. 30-game season is great, but League One, you know, from what? From May until probably September, you're going to have this clump of six teams that are going to be third to eighth, you know, just <laughs> right. in this, you know, up and down elevator going between floors three and eight. You never get to the top. You never get to the bottom. And is that good or is that boring? I I, I mean, <laughs> I like it that we're, we're on the good side of it, but um, – but at the same time, I mean, it, it's a, it, you know, we're kind of in a purgatory, uh, you know, for a really long time. And the parity in the league is great. But from a consumer standpoint, would you rather, you know, would it be a little more exciting if every game mattered a little more? I think they matter, but whether we win or lose, we're, gonna, we're just going to tick up a little or tick, tick down. We're, we're still going to be in the mix the next game, you know? So um, I, I don't know. The parity's great, but at the same time, it does seem like we've been kind of us and a lot of others, the, the usual suspects are kind of stuck in the middle for, for a long time. Yeah. 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 Um, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, this, um, a couple of months ago, it was announced that there's a stadium being built in Milwaukee and um, Kazmarzik enterprises, which is, has Jim Kazmarzik has a, a ownership stake in big top was, is attached to that. So of course people start speculating. Do you know what's happening? Or, and can you say um, yeah, I mean, I, I know what's happening, and uh, there's certain things we, we can talk about. But, yeah, J Jim Kazmarek's our, our lead partner here in Madison with myself, uh, Vernon Stemmen, and Steve Schmidt. Um, myself and, and uh, Jim Kazmarek and uh, SR Mills from Bear Development have been working on a, a Milwaukee soccer project for probably about four years now. And um, we finally have acquired a site uh, from Marquette University, um, just east of Marquette's campus. And, um, you know, have rolled out a plan to do an 8,000 seat soccer stadium, a 140 key hotel room, uh, a 3,500 person concert venue, um, and a hundred uh, multifamily housing units, uh, in addition to some retail pieces. So um, that's on schedule for 2025. Um, you know, it's moving along. I, I think Milwaukee is long overdue for outdoor pro soccer. Yeah. It's a, a great market and we think it's a, a great location uh, right downtown, uh, you know, uh, kind of at the intersection of the busiest highways in the state, the most highly trafficked um, kind of piece of land in the entire state of Wisconsin on a daily basis. So uh, we're excited about it. We're working towards 2025 as it relates to to league and more soccer news that, that that's coming down the road. We, I, I can't share that today. Um, but, uh, but I can tell you that Jim's leading that project and, uh, it'll be a multifaceted soccer and real estate project, uh, that, that bear developers, the master developer on. And, um, you know, I've been working with, with them on it. Okay. So the, this, it was somebody, I can't remember who it was, it was Jim or somebody else said in an interview that it would, it would be the highest level of soccer in Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, gonna, I, I'll name some, I'll name some possibilities. You blink when yeah. I 
just the right one. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, it's, it, Rob, it's, it's not going to be MLS. Um, you, you know, oh, no, yeah, okay. no, Milwaukee's not um, on the MLS list well, at this point. And, and 8,000 no, stadium isn't big enough. For yeah, MLS. nor would the facility be big enough. So, uh, but, but as it relates to uh, our landing spot and where we'll be playing, that, that'll come later this summer. Got it. Got it. All right, Twitter people, relax. <laughs> it's either USL Championship, NWSL, uh, w, uh, uh, Super League, somewhere in there. It's going to be great. We'll find out soon. I can tell you it's going to be great. That, that's all I can tell you. It's going to be great. Yeah. It confirmed. By yeah, Conor it's going to be great. Okay, let's uh, turn to uh, some some listener questions. And, and Connor, I really appreciate your time uh, today. You bet. A um, couple of things. We've got three questions from, from listeners on Twitter. Uh, it's been cool to see – this is something we talked about a minute ago um, – to see – for Madison investing in Bree Stevens through stuff like the forward club. Do you have, uh, and you can feel free to talk about stuff you have in the works, but do you mm-hmm. have a dream upgrade that you'd love to see at Bree Stevens? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, I think anybody that's been out there knows that, 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 that you know, what, what we've done, what, while we have upgraded, what happens in the flock end um, from a, a food and beverage standpoint, um, you know, the, the, the long-term goal is a more permanent uh, environment down there. And so, you know, as we look at uh, more significant long-term renovations, a more permanent build-out in the flock end uh, from a food and beverage and seating standpoint, that's at the top of the list. Um, a build-out of, of that size and scale, um, is, you know, takes several years to, to facilitate and put, put together. And, and I think we also need to remind folks um, – while Breeze is our home, it's owned by the city of Madison, and, and we've got a lease to, to operate it. We mm-hmm. cover uh, capital improvements, and, and we've invested, um, I don't know, I think $2.5 million in our four years in Breeze uh, of our own money just to kind of get the stadium up to the spec of, of pro, up to the standard of pro soccer, and the city's invested as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think long-term, we'd love to see something more permanent in the flock end. That's a long-term, long-term plan, but something that we would – um, you know, like to see in the future and, and um, when, when the time's right, start those conversations with the city. Um, you mentioned that you come from baseball background with the Madison Mallards who are also continuing to be successful. Um, what are the biggest lessons you learned on the differences between running for Madison and Madison Mallards? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the first, you know, the, the biggest difference is, is the fan base. You know, I think we, we ran the numbers in year one and maybe one, one out of nine would attend both, both, uh, both games. Wow. So two totally different fan bases while we're in the same city, I think eight minutes apart from each other. So, <laughs> right. um, you know, I, I think that the two big differences, and I, I could probably list them for an hour, but the two big differences, <laughs> one, the fan bases are pretty different uh-huh. Two, um, while we love what happens at the Mallards winning doesn't necessarily impact the, the bottom line or attendance. And we've learned quickly here, you know, at Forward Madison that winning does matter. And it's great. We love that the fans are into winning. We, we love that they, that winning helps grow attendance and, and yeah. grows the fan connection with the team. But, but that's just not the case in baseball. Hmm. Um, and last question. Have you tagged along on any away days? And if so, which one is your favorite? I haven't done as many as, as I'd like. Um, I think my favorite memory to this point is actually a year one. Uh, I, I did I did two Lansing trips, but the the when we clinched the playoffs, I think that mm. that obviously hasn't been um, topped yet. Uh, I do plan to get out to Colorado, I think, in a few weeks with the club. Um, but you know, with my responsibilities on the uh, baseball side, 
um, in addition to the soccer side, I, I don't have a ton of free travel time in the summer months, but, um, uh, the places I'd, I'd, I'd like to get, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to get, get to see my friends in Greenville. I have been to Richmond. Um, it's a great old stadium. Um, but, uh, but top of the list is, is probably uh, Greenville for the future. And then of course, when Santa Barbara comes in, we'll have to make that trip in a winter month, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we, we're, we're fortunate. We've got a pretty close knit group of owners at league one. So it's always good to, to go check out what they're doing and, and good to host others in our market. Sounds good. Well, Connor Coy, I really appreciate your time today and best of luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Rob. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right, big thanks to Ford Madison COO Connor Kaloya once again for his uh, contribution to the Talking Flock podcast. Rob, excellent chat there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I just want to just to clarify something that was kind of said at the end there that I I think, as far as I know, this is the first time that it's really been publicly confirmed that more that that several of the Ford Madison Big Tap Entertainment leadership are involved in that that uh, project in Milwaukee. Uh, so that, it, it, you know, we talk about, is it going to be a Ford Madison thing or is it just like, or, or what, but it definitely is Ford Madison folks involved in that. And uh, it might be USL championship. It might be USL super league, which is the women's second division, which would be a higher level than Ford Madison, or it could be, mm-hmm. it could reasonably NWSL. I, I, I think it's probably not NWSL just given that the stadium is still a bit on the small side. Yep for top tier women's, uh, but it, it could technically be. So it, it's one of those three things. And so I just want to, uh, we can, we, we will continue to speculate. <laughs> Twitter will continue to guess uh, and we'll find out soon enough. It's like that. It's like that meme with the little girl. Why not both? Why not? Why not both USL championship and USL super league? I think that's something USL is trying to, uh, and I don't know this for sure. So this you know? is kind of some reckless speculation here, but it seems like that's something USL is trying to incentivize some of their newer expansion clubs to do is to, you know, it, it, it have clubs on both sides, have a championship club, have a Super League club. We've seen New Orleans uh, do this specifically uh, with uh, their, they already announced that they will have a team in the USL championship and the Super right. League. We see right. that at a tier down with the W League and USL League, uh, leagues one and two as well. There are USL League two clubs in the W League, USL League one clubs also having W League teams. So well, that's kind of a, 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 an incoming trend now is yeah. these clubs sort of investing equally both on the men's and women's side of the game. That's actually a really good point. And I actually, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's, I think a distinct possibility actually, now that you say that, because like, mm. you know, Tormenta uh, won the W league, right? Yep. Their, their women's team did. And Santa Barbara uh, announced <clears throat> they're joining our league and with, but also fielding a women's team. So uh, yep. it'd be very, very cool to have both sides in Milwaukee. Yeah, that would be would be cool. Bringing professional soccer and and both uh, both the men's and women's side would be would be very very cool. Uh, all right, shout out time, Rob. I will go first. I mean, who else but Ryko, Rosarena? Right. Three clean sheets and four starts. Only one goal given up in that span. Just uh, he's been he has been everything that Matt Glazer told us he would be. <laughs> we right. chatted with Matt. Uh, right after the uh, the switch was made, so to speak, the trade, if you will, the the loan swap uh, with uh, with Phil Brino and Ryko Rosarena, and uh, you know Matt was very very complimentary of Ryko, had very very uh, high hopes of what Ryko could bring to this team, and he has lived up to every bit of that and more. Just been a crucial part of this uh, Ford Madison club, and especially in a run where they've 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 needed that performance just to just to scrounge out results. Uh, over these yeah. last few matches. So he's been yeah, huge. Sure. 
Yep, absolutely. My first shout out uh, is to Alvin Jones, a guy who didn't isn't on the set sheet a lot. We didn't talk about him a lot, but he had a really, really good performance on both ends of the pitch. I think um, mm-hmm. mentioned Tracer and Buyu and uh, the the Charlotte attack trying really uh, up their left hand side or the our the right side of our defense. And Osmond and Jones were both excellent on that side, but Jones particularly um, just wasn't letting him much past him at all. And then on the other end of the pitch. He was, I mean, there were, I think we had 16 crosses, which is kind of a lot, but um, they were testing the goalkeeper. They were testing the back line. He was um, really energetic moving forward. So uh, just a really good performance from him. Yeah, he's he's sort of, uh, this is the second time in two in three weeks that we've shouted out Alvin Jones. He's just been one of those solid, yeah. uh, consistent pieces that is just so, he's so reliable. He almost just flies under the radar. Kind like of, he's yeah. just you expect to be there and expect to do, you mm-hmm. know, to do his thing. And he's been, he's been doing that all season long. Um, second shout out for me, uh, Andrea Novakovic, uh, the Wisconsin native two assists in his debut for Venetia in Serie B. Um, and these were two big assists. Now, unfortunately, uh, there was a concession late on that, uh, that rendered these useless, but uh, it was in the Copa <laughs> Italia. Uh, Venetia down 2 0 in the 88th minute. And Novakovic, two assists, one in the 88th, one in the 89th to help draw Venezia level. And then they give up the winner in stoppage time. So they bow out in the early rounds of the Coppa Italia. But um, it was still a, a really, really good debut. Almost couldn't ask for a better debut. Be, debut. Maybe, maybe if he scores, it's a better debut. But two assists in your debut. Yeah. Very, very uh, encouraging stuff from Novakovic there. So um, well-deserving sure. of a shout-out. Um, my second shout out is for our old friend Aaron Malloy. Scored just a banger from Memphis 901 uh, on the weekend uh, and is just quietly, or maybe not even that quietly, tearing up that league in the Eastern Conference. I mean, uh, he was, uh, after I was already after I was already thinking about giving him the shout out, a, um, a football scout Twitter account was, had a whole thread about how, how he's doing, how great he, how well he's doing. And honestly, if you're an MLS scout, or any first division scout on this side of the world, and you don't have him on your radar, you're not doing your job. He's having a hell of a year. Yeah, he is. He's, he's doing awesome and uh, well deserving in that promotion, obviously, to USL Championship. And it's it's awesome to see him uh, making the most of that opportunity and performing on that stage. Um, my final shout out is for fellow Wisconsin native Jesse Marsh. Uh, Leeds United beat Wolves two to one. Uh, Brennan Aronson getting a goal there as well. It's the American takeover of the Premier League, Rob. It's happening yep. uh, right before our very eyes. <laughs> uh, yep. Not only do Leeds get the win, but Jesse Marsh caps it off by just getting in the face of Wolves coach Bruno Lage after the match. Um, and in classic, like, Wisconsin fashion, after the match, he's asked about it, and he was just like, yeah, we were just having a little chat after the match. Just had, a, just had to have a few words with them. That's all. He didn't make a big deal out of it. It's like – it's like if two guys got into a fight in downtown Hudson or something and <laughs> and they were interviewed by the news crews after the match. I feel like it's exactly what, or after the fight, it's exactly yep. what they would say. Oh yeah, I know. We're just having a discussion. You know, we just had a disagreement. Yep. That's how we handled it. And, and we're good. And now we're <laughs> going to move forward. Very, very <laughs> it was just very, very classic Wisconsin. And uh, I loved, I loved, uh, I loved every bit of that. So, but a huge win for Leeds early on in, uh, in the Premier League season, they were not picked very favorably by the experts uh, early you know, in the, in the preseason predictions, but uh, getting those three points and seeing a fellow American like Brennan Aronson 
scoring uh, as well is, is, is really cool to see. So um, hopefully more good things for Leeds and Jesse Marsh moving forward. Yep. And Premier League is back, which means uh, I'm up along with many of our listeners, I'm sure. Very early on Saturday mornings for the rest of the <laughs> for the rest of the winter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at that point in fatherhood now, Rob. Not to cut you off for your final shout out, no, but you know when when I when my you know my youngest daughter was like you know one, even early on when she was two, it was a great excuse to get up at six a.m. on a Saturday and be like, oh no, it's okay, babe. I'll take the early shift with the kiddo. <laughs> you know, but really, I'm just watching soccer, right? Well, now that now the kiddo sleeps in, which is nice, but then you know I don't I don't get that same I don't get the credit then. I don't get the credit right. for, right. you know, for watching the kids in the morning while I'm just <laughs> really just watching soccer. So right. um, that benefit is gone. But, uh, yeah, you know, up at 6, 630 on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah. And then the wife gets very mad when I'm like ready for bed at like 830 or nine o'clock on a Saturday night. She's like, who are you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know who you are anymore. But, yeah, anyways, pr- uh, proceed to your final shout out, Rob. All right. Augie uh, Ray, who is the goalkeeper for Milwaukee Bavarian SC and the entire Bavaria back line, honestly, played really, really well on Saturday in that final. Um, and they only conceded three goals in this entire tournament. Wow. And including none in the semifinals or the final. So that you, you're, you're taking on the regional f- champions from around the country and do not concede a goal in the last two matches. Incredible performance from those guys. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, those are our shout outs and Rob, a fun fact to bring it home. Uh, a lot of you will remember this. We talked about it last year, but just, I want to remind everybody we're going to North Carolina. We're playing uh, at North Carolina tonight. Uh, I think there's a reasonable chance, especially with Cassini still out. Derek Ebhart will take part in this match. His first goal for Ford Madison was a winner against North Carolina. Early in the season yes. last year, it was the first home game back after COVID. Over more than 600 days between home games in Bree Stevens Field. They go 90 full minutes, 0-0. Uh, and Derek... Uh, scores the game winner. There were four guys involved in that goal, and he's the only one that's still on the club, uh, still on our team. Uh, so uh, I think I hope he remembers that. I hope we all remember that, and I hope we get something similar tonight. You're missing the best part of the goal, Rob. It's not the goal oh, itself. When, they, when the when the, the barrier uh, the, the, falling the over in the flock end, absolute yeah. pandemonium. Uh, just awesome. If you haven't seen the yeah. highlight, I think Ford Madison tweeted it out. But they if did. you and, uh, um, new dogma is in guys t- tweeted it out as yeah. well uh and uh and the the perfection of the call that Derek Gephardt brings the house down in Madison absolute brilliance great stuff great great stuff there um so we'll see maybe lightning can strike twice uh yeah. here for uh for Derek uh, against North Carolina this uh, uh tonight i guess as you're listening to this on wednesday all right that'll do it for this week's episode of talking flock thank you guys so much for tuning in we really really appreciate it don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review on your preferred platform if you could please and uh enjoy the game tonight rob and i'll be back to break that and uh this weekend's match down next week on talking flock until then enjoy the soccer guys see you later